When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, welcome to the program, SEN in the afternoon. Uh, Wow. Uh, Where do we start? I know exactly where to start. G'day, afternooners. Thanks for tuning in. However you are listening, SEN welcomes you to our very broad house of worship. You're listening via SENQ 693 AM up in Brisbane, SEN 1170 AM up in Sydney. Download the SEN app. Anywhere, anytime, you can listen to the program. We're doing it all thanks to SBS Fence. That's portable, tall, and temporary fence hire in Sydney. Go to sbsfence.com.au. That is Alex and the team. So if you want to get in contact with the program today, we encourage you to do so. one 1170 The text line 0457-736-736. So lots going on today. We will have Brisbane Raw player Jay O'Shea a little bit later on in the program. MC and host Glenn Hawke. You're going to hear a lot more of Glenn throughout the summer on SEM. We're also going to speak to former Western Suburbs coach of the century and City Morning Herald journalist Roy Masters. And very shortly, we're going to speak to City Morning Herald senior sports reporter Michael Chamis. Of course, a very dramatic day yesterday in the history of the West Tigers following the handing down of a review that was commissioned by the board that has led to their sacking. It is all uh, remarkable, even for rugby league. And uh, we will um, break with tradition on this program. Now, normal programming will be resumed a little bit later on. But right now, we're going straight to Michael Chamis. They say you should live in interesting times. Within the last 36 hours, the Western Suburbs uh, Tigers, the West Tigers, sorry, have had a board deposed, a chairman ousted, a CEO resigns, and through it all, we believe that hope is restored. A man that's been covering it very closely, indeed, over the last few years, is the senior sports reporter at the Sydney Morning Herald and Nine News, Michael Chamis. He's on the line. G'day, Michael. Hey, Jimmy. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm uh, very well. Um, I'd love to get your your thoughts on what has transpired over the last 36 hours. Review commissioned by the Holman Barnes Group. It led to their complete dismissal following the ending down of that review. Well, it didn't really get a chance to be handed down. It leaked all over the place. Um, initial thoughts on on that sweeping change? Yeah, look, I'm not surprised. I think this has sort of been in the pipeline for a few weeks now. I think that it's it's quite dramatic, the fact that the whole board has been removed. The ju- that CEO, Justin Pascoe, you know, resigned, left the building without a without a trace yesterday, didn't tell anyone at the club, just was told by two of the directors that he would no longer be, well, th- that they were going to make changes and that they were going to looking to make a whole raft of changes. And I think Justin saw the writing on the wall and, and departed the club as a result. Now, I think the feeling is, and I've seen a lot of commentary around it from from fans, Tigers fans, they are rejoicing today. They think it is a great day for the club. And regardless whether it is good or bad, it's, as you said, it's a significant moment in the in the future of that football club who has been underperforming for over a decade now. And we know how big the West Tigers are. We know how significant their supporter base is. And we know that they, they are a, a powerhouse club that has just been 
they're, they're a sleeping giant at the moment. So if, if they can get things right and they can use this as a fresh start to get behind Benji Marshall, they can finally try and realise their true potential. Whether you think that the right decision is made or not, I think is irrelevant right now. Nothing's going to change. And this is now an opportunity for the people at the club to get behind Benji Marshall and, and turn this club into the, the football team and the club that it should be. And that is one of the biggest in the country, not only in rugby league, but in any of the sporting codes. Yeah, let's reflect first on, on what transpired. 44 recommendations from what I understand. Why do you think this was accepted in full by the Holman Barnes group and then the implication that that had? We have to actually realise that, So I know people don't know the machinations of the board, but in accepting these recommendations, they actually removed themselves from the board. Now, the Holman Barnes group yeah. had four members on the West Tigers board. They have all been removed. So essentially they removed themselves and I, and having spoken to Lee and ran the interview today in the Sydney Morning Herald that essentially they were put into a situation if they didn't follow through on the recommendations it would be a farce because you go to the, the length of trying to implement this review to get the best outcome for the club and if that review is suggesting that you need to go and you don't follow through that's going to look really bad on your club and really look bad on, on the people involved and to the fact that they stepped aside, some people thought they wouldn't, but to the, the fact that they did, uh, a monumental moment for the club because it gives them the opportunity now to start fresh. They needed to get Balmain across the line. That was the other part of this. And they had a meeting on Monday night with Balmain uh, who, who agreed to these changes and they managed to keep one spot on the board. Danny Stapleton, the chairman of Balmain, remains there with the club uh, on, the, on this new look board with Barry O'Farrell as chair. So... I think that once they went down the path of getting the review uh, to be undertaken by Tony Crawford and Gary Barnier, they had to follow through with what the recommendations would be. Uh, otherwise, they mm. would have been left with egg on their face and the fan base who were already rabid, they would have been even more angry. Uh, do you think it unfair that the opportunity to present to the West Tigers board did not occur? Oh, I think that the process, to be fair, was uh, messy, uh, to, to put yep. it. In a nice way, I, I think that there are probably some people there who are at the courtesy of, of being informed, but there are also the, the, probably the reasons are that they weren't informed is because the people in that organisation don't trust each other. They don't trust that this is going to remain in-house, and it didn't remain in-house anyway, and the whole process around it, uh, there's, there's mistrust, there's people you know, accusing each other of knifing one another in the back. It's ugly, and it's ended ugly, and you can... If you read the interview with Lee of the Sydney Morning Herald this morning, you, he's not a happy man. He feels betrayed mm. by the people that he worked alongside. Now, whether he should stay or go, I, look, the reality is the club hasn't had success. Now, I think they're on the cusp of turning it around. I, I think there's, some, there's been some changes that have been made, and I think they're not far off. I think that roster last year, albeit finishing last, were a far better football team than the previous year. That doesn't matter. You finish last back-to-back, it doesn't matter. Time will tell whether or not they've actually implemented the changes that is going to get the, the results to, to turn around in the way they want it to turn around. But I, I, I think that at the end of the day, a fresh start is probably what is needed. Was the process the right way? Well, that's for other people to decide. Surely Lee, you know, Lee's made it clear that he's quite frustrated with the process. But the opportunity now to start fresh, I think everyone would agree. I think CA Justin Pascoe, he's done some good things off the field there for that club now. He's not solely to blame for everything that has gone on. But as we said, the reality is there hasn't been the success and sometimes you just need to move on. And this is, this is where the Tigers power brokers and the people at the Holman Barnes group have got to. 
a realisation that this club needs a fresh start. And I, I will say in the short term, I think it will be disruptive. I, I think in the short term for Benji Marshall, this isn't what he needs right now in a rookie season, trying to sign two big names in Adam Canoel Blake and Jerome Luai. You've created this network around him, and I think Lee has a point there where he's got Justin Pascoe, who have been working quite well over the last four months trying to get that. I know that Benji Marshall isn't happy with this outcome, and in the short term, it will be disruptive. There are players there who have good relationships with the people who have left, but I think also in the long term that the people in charge at the, at the Holman Barnes group realised that a fresh start was required. Having a good relationship and having a successful relationship can sometimes be two tep- uh, separate things. Let's just go back for one last time and hear, uh, you mentioned how upset Lee Hadjipantelis was. Let's listen to Lee this morning on the breakfast program on his thoughts on what, what the West Tigers he felt did right during his tenure, including the hiring of Tim Sheens. The manner in which it was done by shareholders, these are people who sit as directors of the shareholders, but also sit as directors on the West Tigers board. So I chair a board with these people who sit there having a fiduciary duty to the organisation, yet behind the scenes, scurrying in the shadows, putting together plans for the demise of the board. How is that not a breach of their fiduciary duty? Why would they not come forward and say there is an obvious conflict with me continuing in this role? I need to step down. It boggles belief. It it is a world with which I am not familiar. Okay, so that was Lee's thoughts on the manner in which it was uh, executed, for want of a better term. But let's listen now, his thoughts on the hiring of Tim Sheens. Got no concerns or regrets about the uh, the Tim Sheen's appointment. I think at the time, I think it was taken on board as a as a transition piece, and that's what it was meant to be. Um, uh, Benji was uh, always floating around in the background, and it just was elevated much quicker than what we had expected. But having said that, and having witnessed him now in that role, uh, I, yeah, I have no regrets about uh, appointing Benji as the head coach. So when you hear that, Michael, because I, I, I that sounds to me like a rewriting of history. What's your thoughts? Oh, look, I think out of respect for Tim Sheens, that, that is the version of events that everyone at the club is going to go with. I, I, privately, though, the, I, there are people who are at the club who regret the decision to sign Tim Sheens. And mm. they realise that. And the rumblings, as you know, I'd written about it during the season. And I said that Tim Sheens will not be coach in 2024, that Benji Marshall will be head coach. And, I, and, and it, it came out that way. And it's ended up looking... It's ended up pretty ugly because Tim's hasn't said a word since he left. He feels mm. disrespected by the club. The club doesn't want to disrespect him by tarnishing his legacy and say he wasn't up to standard, not only from a coaching point of view, but also he wasn't up to standard as the general manager of football. It was a desperate move to try and bring him in, to try and appease a fan base who were yeah, bitterly disappointed with the results of under Michael Maguire at the time and felt as though someone of Tim Sheen's stature could help. Now, as well-intentioned as they were, it wasn't the right call, and they soon realised. Now, I, I, I don't blame Lee for saying what he just said there. I, I don't think it's right for anyone at the West Tigers to come out publicly and bag Tim Sheen, given what he has given to that football club. But that, that is not the truth. There, there are people at the West Tigers who felt that Tim Sheen needed to go. When the opportunity presented itself, they walked straight into it and took the opportunity. And there is a reason Tim Sheen has signed the non-disclosure agreement. And it's the same reason he hasn't spoken, and he won't, because things didn't end well at the West Tigers.
Yeah. So there's not only a reason that Tim Sheens needed to go, but there was also very clearly a decade of reasons why Tim Sheens needed not to come. And that is what the board showed there, that they were not up to standard in the appointment of Tim Sheens. So we move forward from this point. What, is, what does it mean for Scott Fulton's future, knowing that a big supporter in Lee Hadjabantelis and, and Justin Pascoe are no longer at the club, Michael? Yeah, look, I'm not too sure. I don't... I, I don't think things are well between he and Benji Marshall. How much of a say does Shane Richardson give Benji Marshall on that appointment going forward? Uh, he needs to get his feet under the desk and work out whether Scott Fulton's actually actually the right man for the job and can that relationship work? Because just because there's a differing of opinions doesn't mean it can't be beneficial for the, for the West Tigers to have two different sounding boards in regards to what their roster should look like. But if that becomes toxic, which it has in the past, they're going to have mm. to make a decision. Is it Benji Marshall or is it Scott Fulton? And I, and I get the feeling that Benji Marshall is going to win that war. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the rumblings around Scott Fulton with other clubs being linked here, there and everywhere. Now, he's brought Lasu Fainu to the club. He's obviously had a differing of opinion. He tried to get Jack Cogger to the, to the West Tigers. And to be fair, when, when it happened, Jack Cogger hadn't done what he had done at Penrith. And you know, in hindsight, it would have been fantastic for the Tigers to assign Jack Cogger. But that's not what Benji Marshall wanted. And mm. if one thing's for sure, Benji Marshall will get what he wants. Uh, they're, they're, mm. They are too heavily invested in Benji Marshall. They have thrown everything at him to make sure that this works. And if they don't make it work, it's just another egg on their face. And I, I don't think they'll allow Benji Marshall the, the, an excuse there to say, I don't get what I want, because he will, he will get what he wants, roster-wise, staff-wise. And so if he can't make it work with Scott Fulton, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that relationship was to cease in the coming months. Will Benji Marshall get Jerome Luai or Adam Fanua Blake? Like, what impact is this going to have on player recruitment, Michael? Uh, look, Benji, Benji, and Justin Pascoe were the ones leading the negotiations for Jerome Luai. Uh, Scott Fulton's been doing the negotiations for Adam Fanua Blake. It's a, I guess, it, the relationships there with those parties is what's lent itself to really an unorthodox approach, where you don't have one person doing the negotiations. Scott Fulton's mm. close to. Fanua Blake camp. He obviously close to Fanua Blake having spent time with him at Manly and Jerome Luai, his idol is Benji Marshall growing up. So they've used those relationships and to their advantage. Uh, I don't think it'll affect the Fanua Blake deal at all. Will it affect Jerome Luai? Possibly. Uh, I think Justin's been working behind the scenes to make sure that deal gets done and Jerome gets what he wants. But yeah, I, I don't think that will decide it. I, I think the decision will come I don't think he stayed at Penrith, to be honest, Jimmy. I think he leaves. I think the money's going to be far too great. It'll be whether or not the Bulldogs come to the party with an offer that's going to be competitive with the West Tigers. I think, I think the Bulldogs are planning to go all in on Jerome Luai. And given the fact that we know that Stephen Crichton, Seraldo, Viliami Kikau, Matt Burton, all these guys that he's grown up with are at the club, Mm. I think if the offers are the same, he's going to find it hard to turn down the Bulldogs. So it's all to me to 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 be blunt. I think what the Bulldogs offer is going to determine the future of Jerome Moore. Get your crystal ball out, Michael. In twelve months' time, in six months' time, twelve months' time, can you offer a, a glimmer of hope to West Tigers fans? I, I I thought last year was a glimmer of hope. To be honest with you, I thought the purchases were were quite decent. I think Appy Corrissey has been huge for them. Now they didn't get the results, but I. The young guys coming through, Stefano's taking the next step. Obviously, guys like Pole and um, Matamua. These young guys coming through, there's obviously high hopes on Latu Fainu and, and Samuela Fainu. I think the roster's quite decent. I, I really do. And if Benji can get them playing in a way that uh, plays to their strengths, I, I can see the Tigers 
making a charge up towards that. Yeah, I'm not saying they're playing finals football, but they can be around that nine to twelve this year, which, given their history, is a big effort. And if you get to nine to twelve next year uh, in twenty four, then we're talking finals football in twenty twenty five. Given what they've been through, Tigers fans would rejoice with that op- with that opportunity. I, I I think they've got a real decent roster. I don't know what you think, Jimmy, but I, I think there are the pieces there. I think their forward pack is quite decent. They need to build on their back line, and they need to hope mm. that these young guys they've invested in in the halves come good. But uh, that forward pack, and then with with Atti Corrissau as their leader, I'm, I'd be happy with that if I'm a Tigers fan. Yeah, enormous pressure on Latu Fainu and Jaden Sullivan, I would suggest. Uh, and it's going to be a very interesting watch now that there's been massive change off the field as well. Michael, fantastic to chat, mate. Really appreciate it. I think it's the first time for you on the afternoon's program. We really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, and, and, and thank you. No worries, Jimmy. Thanks, mate. Appreciate you having me. Michael Chamis there from the Sydney Morning Herald. So um, we've been inundated by text messages already. So keep them coming in. 0457 736 736. As we said, a historic day in the history of the West Tigers Club. Michael Chamis has helped unpack all of that. Review commissioned by the board has led to the sacking of the board that commissioned it. It is quite unique. Those four people on the West Tigers board that also are part of the Holman's Barnes Group board Tony Andriacchio, Dennis Burgess, Julie Romero, and Rick Wade. They are 60% owners. They are represented by Dave Gilbert. The 10% ownership of the Balmain Tigers is represented by former board member Danny Stapleton. The 30% of the West Magpies, they're yet to nominate who their representative will be on the board. And former New South Wales Premier Barry O'Farrell will be the interim chair. Shane Richardson is the interim CEO. Lots of questions still to be answered and we'll answer all of your questions that you want to send through via the text line as well. 0457 736 736. All right, let's get ourselves to a break and then we'll back with more. Stick around. Thank you, Amy. Welcome back to the program. Obviously, we're getting a lot of stuff in on the West Tigers. We'll get a score update from Coach K very shortly, but also some of the other news around we'll get to as well. As mentioned, there is a test match starting tomorrow. You'll hear it on SEN too, just to let you know. There was a game of cricket on last night, the BBL. Well done. To the Brisbane Heat, it felt like they were 30 runs short. In the end, they were 20 runs to the good against the Sydney Thunder, who just have a habit of tightening up a little when it comes to run chases. Maybe that was in the thinking of the Brisbane Heat as well. I'm still going through. Look, and I want to put this on the table too, and you need to be really careful about this. And I think that I handled it with care as much as I possibly could. And when the appointment was announced, um, as the appointment ran its course, and then post the appointment. And that was that there was a clear lack of due diligence done by the West Tigers board when they came to the appointment of Tim Sheens. And and if long-time listeners to this program will recognise that I was saying that from the outset, and that's not to diminish the fact that Tim Sheens is a legend of the West Tigers and he's a legendary coach in the history of rugby league in this country. There is no disputing that. However, his track record leading up to his appointment at the West Tigers was less than stellar. And as a result of that, they erred in their judgment in the West Tigers. Have a listen to some of the other people that were in the West Tigers system that are no longer there. And think about the things that they achieved outside of the West Tigers system. So Ivan Cleary has won three NRL premierships since his time under the West Tigers. Michael Maguire has now won the Pacific Championships defeated Australia, and he's now the origin coach. Andrew Webster was there and now gone. He's the NRL coach of the year. Ben Gardner, 
Penrith Grand Final Assistant Premiership Coach, Coach of Samoa. Ron Griffiths was there. He's now a two-time Premiership winner with the Newcastle Knights in the NRLW. Shane Millard was there. He then went to Pathways at the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. He's now the Dragons Recruitment Manager. Adam Hardigan and Fida Haller were both within that junior system that Lee was talking so glowingly about over the last two years. They have now moved on to the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs where they've had grand final wins in the Harold Mats and the Jersey Flag competitions, whilst the West Tigers and the Western Suburbs Magpies and the Balmain Tigers have fallen away. So, I mean, just... And that's not all. That's not an exhaustive list, but that's the list I have. Um, so each to their own on that one. Once again, everything from Lee today is all about Lee and not about the litany of failures he leaves behind, says 588. Um, <laughs> this one from Grant. Afternoon, Jimmy. Shane Richardson was, let's not talk about the past. Yet on the other hand, that's all he spoke about with the Sharks, the Penrith and Souths. Go figure. Uh, cheers, Grant. To make a point, to exercise a point, I would have thought, Grant, but... Uh, yes, that was that was noted as well. Right. Uh, keep those text messages coming in, but let's get to that score update. Time for a sports update with Coach K. So, Coach K, before we get to the score update, we might release our talk topic for today. So, Jofra Archer has bobbed up at a Barbados Club cricket match. He's turned out for his old school site, Foundation. Uh, they were having a three-day fixture against uh, Lords in Division One of Barbados Cricketers. So he got four for 18. The only problem with this was that the England men's cricket team and their manager, Robert Key, knew nothing about it. <laughs> so, so he just turned up for a game. He's taken four for 18. So our talk topic today, when an athlete popped up unexpectedly. Mm. When an athlete... So it, now you have one, right? I do have one. Now, this was back in 2015. I was turning up for a casual Monday night domestic basketball game. All of a sudden, one of my childhood heroes rocks up on the other side of the court. Mind you, a half-decent player. And he goes by the name of Nathan Merritt. Now, Jimmy, I'll tell you this about Nathan Merritt mm. on the basketball court just quickly before I get to some scores. Super athletic at the time. Now, this is, what, Shopping. eight years ago? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I had to guard him. But he was super quick still. So, you know, I'm probably, well, I'm 30 now. He's probably 36, 37. So he's got seven years on me. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, I was a young kid, super flexible and fit. Couldn't keep up with the guy. Hang on, hang on. When you say he was super fast and you were super flexible and super fit, it's all relative, right? Right. So he was still fast compared to you. Correct. Yeah. Well, he's still quick, you know. I'm not saying his skills were great. No, that's fast. what I mean. It's all relative. It's all relative. He's still quick compared to you. <laughs> Right, right. Which under which underscores how slow you are, and which, I would, and which makes me think that one on one I would dominate you. I've told you this mate. many times, Jimmy. I'll see you down mm-hmm. at the court down in Camden, somewhere behind your house and your massive farm lot. I'll bring my mates. I'll play you one on one, well, and they'll be there to witness it. All right. I was going to say bring your mates because otherwise you might never be seen again. You know what happened out in these back blocks, oh, mate. I'm sure. I'm sure, especially your farmland. Mate, you, you never know what goes on in these joints, right? Mate, that's it. That's it. That is 100% All right. right. All right, Jimmy. Give us a score update. Yeah, let's start with this. You touched on it a little bit before, Jimmy, but the Brisbane Heat, they won by 20 runs against the Sydney Thunder. Now, we've got Glenn Hawke coming in shortly at 1 o'clock to touch on some cricket. But player of the match, Mitch Swepson. Good luck, chum, jumping on the afternoons program, one would imagine, Jimmy. Yeah, spoke about that interview that we had. Wasn't it great to have a chat? Talked about how he's now got a distraction from cricket. He's a father. He said, yep, anytime I'm away from cricket, I'm a full-time father. And I talked about the emotion 
that he had when he when he got wicket the the key wicket of Glenn Maxwell. Remember, uh, and he said, "Oh well, you know, it it, it was a, a key wicket, so I, I did get all fired up with that." He got Daniel Sams out last night, bowled him. Now Daniel Sams can be dangerous, but he's no Glenn Maxwell, right? Yeah. And yet the same the same roar and the same engagement in the game from Mitch Swepson. He is bowling really well in this big bash. Really well. I'll make note of this. Ollie Davies, we always have a look at what he's up to. He top scored there for the Sydney Thunder, 35 of 30 balls. So uh, shout out to Ollie Davies. Well, Ollie Davies had missed a really big opportunity last night. So these are the things that we talked about with Michael Whitney at the Steve War medal presentation, right? 35 off 30 in a, T- a BBL game, not good enough. You know, 50 in a Shield game, not good enough. Get a big get a big century. What Ollie Davies needed to do was to learn most about his game last night by staying in the middle and bringing the Thunder as close to victory as possible. He may not have got them to be. He played a really loose shot at an inopportune time. And it just, as soon as he got out the side, <coughs> couldn't win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the UEFA Champions League this morning, Arsenal drew with PSV 1 all. Real Madrid 3, Union Berlin 2. They're a huge club there in Germany. Now, Bayern Munich 1, Jimmy, you try to escape this, but I've got to bring it to your attention. Hmm. Bayern Munich 1, Manchester United nil. Now, what makes this even more remarkable? Kingsley Coman, by the way, scored in the 70th minute. But Manchester United, um, if we have a quick look at their table, that was Group A, they came they last... They're last. Very so they're done, Jimmy. They're out. Now, I can't remember the last time I've seen that from Manchester United in the Champions League, but bottom of the table. Thank you very much. Now, to the NBA, Mavericks 71, the Lake Show 61. That's in the second quarter. We'll have a quick look at how the Mavs are going. Luka Doncic, so, 18 points. Yes. Just on that, do the Lakers have a celebration for winning their in-season tournament? You think they would have done something? I know it, it was pretty Surely. It was pretty busy in the change rooms after the, after the game. Right. Do they... Wear the goggles with all the champagne and all that. Like, does that happen in yeah. the in-season tournament? They, I don't know. They did do that. I can confirm. I saw that. So, um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Now, Dante Exum, nine points in that one, the Aussie. Um, and just a, one last score, Jimmy. Celtics, 59. The Cavaliers, 60 at half time, And that is the score update. Okay. So, thank you for that, Coach K. Uh, still getting lots and lots of text messages. Uh, we do want to make mention of the fact that this test match is going on tomorrow as well. Obviously, you'll hear that across SEN. Let's hear from Steve Smith. Uh, he's talking about his form. Uh, there's all sorts of question marks about, is he going to play in the ODIs again? He'll be 38 when the next ICC 50 over World Cup rolls around. That's 2027. He still wants to play T20 cricket. He's shown that clearly by what he's been doing with the Sydney Sixers in the BBL. But here's Steve Smith on getting back to a bit of form. Yeah, I don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel. I think, um, you know, I've performed at a high standard for a long period of time. And, yeah, you're right, I was probably below my standards of of what I want. Um, So, yeah, for me, it's not overthinking it, not overplaying too much, not changing too much, just going out and trusting what I do and uh, doing it for longer periods of time, hopefully, to to get the big runs and, and hopefully help our team have success. I wonder if that works for him. Okay, drop a form of the game, that being the 50-over game, and, and that makes a whole heap of sense, right? Because you just go, well, in five years' time, could you still be playing T20? Yes. And what about international 50-over cricket? Probably not. So, and remember, there's all those different franchise, not club, franchise opportunities that exist for T20 players. So if you're Steve Smith, you want to preserve two forms of cricket, test cricket, obviously, He's still got things he wants to accomplish there. We heard from his manager, Warren Craig, about that. He wants to get to 10,000 test runs. I think he's about 800 short of that. 
He won't do it this summer. So that means you've got to play on for that. Uh, and then the other one is, what do you do once you stop playing international uh, test cricket? Well, you've got to work elsewhere. Remember, living in New York, playing for a franchise in the IPL and the Abu Dhabi and the BBL, all of that, I reckon that would appeal to someone like Steve Smith. All right, let's get ourselves to the break. Lots of text messages. Oh, don't do that. Tane, ready for an afternoon nap after listening to the ongoing West Tigers fairy tale. Boring, Tane. You love it. You love it, Tane, and, and you know it. All right, let's break, and then we're back with more. 9,320 test runs in 102 test matches. So what's that? 680. So 680. We have Spart here. If you were framing a market of Steve Smith scoring, well, I said 800, but 680 in the next five tests at home, what would you have him at? I'd have him at 40 to 1. What about 680? So he might have five bats. He might have five bats. So... (laughs) Frame the market. We might get that on to Tristan, actually, at Top Sport. See what he can do for us. But uh, that's a very good one. We're doing this all thanks to sbspence.com.au. Remember, for portable toilet and temporary fence hire in Sydney, go to sbspence.com.au. So uh, we've got the good oil here for Cobram Estate, the premium Australian extra virgin or olive oil. I've, I've had mine today. Uh, I had it in my little concoction that... Um, the analyst has recommended I have, uh, Scotty Woodward. So how's this, Coach K? It's got uh, organic garlic, minced garlic, right? It's got organic Cobra Estate olive oil. It's got cayenne pepper. It's got uh, honey, organic honey, and it's got lemon. And that, that they are the five magical ingredients to keep the heart ticking, the blood flowing. So that's it. And I take it every morning on the urging of uh, the analysts. So we are alive and kicking right now. Uh, so Stormy Daniel from Prairie were talking about the the comments made by CEO Shane Richardson about the Southwest. I heard them, uh, the MacArthur region, et cetera, uh, a larger growth area than Penrith from both a population and a junior league number perspective. Bite the bullet, West Tigers. Yeah. Uh, I will speak to Roy Masters about that in the next hour as well. Get his thoughts on it. that would be interesting. Afternoon, Jimmy. No, Tristan Saylor at training said, Steve, we're still waiting for an update on that one. Spanky says, great year, Jim. It's our last show in the afternoons together. Tomorrow, moving to breakfast. I'll be doing that for a couple of weeks before jetting off for a holiday, which I must admit I'm looking forward to. Uh, must be said so. Uh, that's over in the United States of America. Uh, so Spanky saying, great year, Jim. Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening to me. Repeat myself all year. Off to Poland shortly. Hopefully, hear you over the summer on the app. I'll tell you what, Spanky, hope's not a strategy. Download the SEN app anywhere, anytime, even in Poland. Pretty sure in Poland it would work. Uh, they would have Wi-Fi in Poland, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, Tigers just need to fold. No, 397. No, that's that's not the case. Um, you heard from Michael Chamis. They they have incredible upside, I would say. The West Tigers, yeah, incredible upside. Jimmy, the recommendation was to dissolve the current West Tigers board in order to modern, uh, modernise the structure, make it more independent. The new board will eventually consist of seven members as follows. One from the Holman Barnes Group, 60% owners. One from the Balmain Footy Club. One from the West Footy Club. And then four independent directors from outside the group, including Barry O'Farrell as chairman. Well, he's the interim chairman. So interesting to see how long he 
will stay there. Can you think of an example where coaches go back to previous posts, Eddie Jones and Tim Sheens? Uh, I can't think of where it has worked, Rooster Man. That's a good question. Uh, Wayne Bennett went back to the Broncos, took them to the grand final. So that almost worked. That, what, they were in front at the 80-minute mark, at the 80-minute 80, 80 and 13-second mark. They were even. <laughs> so they got they got close. They got really close. Uh, now we're talking about when the athletes popped up. So uh, what am I doing here? Uh, Jimmy, a few years back, Junior Barlow played a fourth or fifth grade rugby match under a false name wearing a headgear to hide his true identity. He did, Simon. That's exactly right. I think that was more than a couple of years ago. Can you imagine playing lower grade rugby and looking over and there propping the scrum is Junior Barlow? <laughs> that that would be of great concern. All right, let's get ourselves to the break. That was all thanks to sbsfence.com.au. So welcome back. It is the second hour of the program on a Wellness Wednesday. That's right. It's a work from home Wednesday. <laughs> well, uh, and it's the last Wednesday, the last show, the last show for the year for Coach K and I in the afternoons, doing some brekkie over the next couple of weeks and then heading away. So uh, we'll get to our, our thank yous and all that a little bit later on in the program. So we're doing it all thanks to SBS Fence. There's someone we've got to thank, Alex and the team, uh, SBS fence.com.au, portable toilet and temporary fence hire in Sydney. So the listeners up there at SENQ 693 AM in Brizzy, SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, download the SEN app. You can listen in Warsaw or wherever it is that you're travelling around the globe during the course of these summer holidays. Uh, wherever it is you get your podcast, might be Spotify, Apple, wherever. Just search for Afternoons with Jimmy Smith. Michael Chamis, senior sports reporter for the Sydney Morning Herald, was our special guest as we sifted through the rubble after a dramatic day in the history of the West Tigers, board deposed, chairman ousted, the CEO resigns, and maybe hope restored for West Tigers supporters. We'll have more on that a little bit later on this hour with former Western Suburbs coach of the century and respected journalist Roy Masters. We'll get an afternoon's Amplified with Coach K. We'll get the text line going 0457 736 736. You can give us a call as well on 1300. 01170. But right now, our special guest, MC and host, and a man you're going to hear a whole lot more of uh, across SEN is Glenn Hawk, and he's in the studio. G'day, Glenn. Jimmy Smith, good afternoon. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you here too, mate. All right, all right. I know we were going to oh, we'll, do, we'll talk cricket. We've got the test match coming up. We've got the BBL game. However, however, much to the displeasure of the great KJ Coop, we're talking <laughs> rugby league about the West Tigers and their decision to oust the entire board. Um, your point of view, mate, and you've been around footy clubs a lot. What's what's your first take on it? Oh, well, I think my first take is that um, the West Tigers just continue to be the gift that keeps on giving. Where here we are, mid-December, and and still rugby leagues dominating the uh, the the agenda. But um, look, I suppose at the end of the day, Jim, is that you know you can't keep doing the same thing and accepting and expecting different results. The West Tigers' results haven't been there over the last couple of years on the field, albeit the. There would be an argument that off the field that they've done some pretty good things financially with the centre of excellence and whatnot, but but change yep. needed to be had. Uh, I know Lee Hadjibantelis uh, had his uh, concerns this morning and overnight about the way the Holman Group had, had sort of pulled the trigger on it, but at the end of the day, the, the change had to happen, and I don't think there was any way around it. Um, you know, I, I know I've got to know Lee uh, a little bit over the last couple of years. I think his his heart is definitely in the right place. He's he's a very good man, but at the end of the end of the day. The Holman Group had to make the change, and, and unfortunately, he was um, him, Justin, and the and crew were, were going to be the four guys. 
Yeah, so it's a really challenging one for SEN, just to put it in context. Yeah. And I know Lee Hadjabentelis was on the radio show this morning with Fossey and, and Missile, and he's the major sponsor, and Brighton's lawyers are the major yeah. sponsor of that program. So, you know, and and my connection with Lee is that I was the, the person who introduced Brighton's lawyers to SEN. So, mm. and that that's that relationship. And and as you say, I think he's a very decent man. I think that it, it, there were there were things that just got out of hand, right? And, and I think people were in positions of which they weren't capable of, of fulfilling their role. They needed um, further help on that. Um, and as we've come to learn, I don't think even over the last couple of days, Glenn, but certainly over the, the period of time, it's a dysfunctional board. The, bo- the board does not have the skill set that's been able to operate at the elite level. And, and what you get out of that is wooden spoon after wooden spoon. And if you're going to make changes like this, you can't dabble. You know, they have to make Correct. big changes, uh, put the broom through the place and start again. I, I think the appointment of, of Shane Richardson is an outstanding one. And, and I know that um, through uh, Julian's show earlier today, there's plenty of chat about that. They had the, the press conference, which was, which was outstanding. It was, it was classic Richo on the front foot. Um, but I think, uh, you know, he will affect change. He's a, he's an old school operator. He's been around a long time. He's had a lot of success. I, I can assure you, I know plenty of people who've worked with, um, with Richo at Souths and he will come through the place like a cyclone. And uh, there might be a few people who might not, might not know what's going to hit them when, uh, when Richo comes in, but it will come from the right place because Richo has been incredibly successful over the last 30 years. Uh, he's a winner. He knows what it takes to win and he will have those expectations on the people around him. What reputational harm could Richo do to himself at this point with this appointment? I don't think he's going to actually... I think the only way is up, and I think that's the way he spoke about it today. You know, he spoke in the press conference that, or someone asked him, is this the biggest challenge? Well, no, South was the biggest challenge that he yeah. had. It was coming off a lot, um, you know, it's coming from a lot longer run up in that one than what he is here. There's a lot of good around him at the West Tigers. I think some new faces, some new direction and some new leadership is what, what could make some big changes there. And I think Richo will be, will be great. Interesting, he's only going to be initially at six months which really at this point doesn't take you through a full season. I, I think Richo probably needs to be there at least for 12 months to, to get through that full cycle. And maybe towards the back end of that 12 months there, they make that appointment and there becomes a, a transitional period for, for whoever this new CEO may be. But I, I think he needs to be in the chair for at least 12 months to get, get uh, to affect some change and to get the, get the place in the right path. Uh, okay. So it was a bit of a leading question on that one. Cause he, he, he can come out of this completely unscathed. If yeah. they advance at three spots on the ladder, it's like, look, we are making progress. If they stay rooted to the bottom of the table with the wooden spoon, it's like, well, not even I could fix it. Mm. You know, so so there's that part of it too. The other part that's interesting too, and Shane Richardson will be the special guest of sports today. Jace Matthews and Scott Sattler will have him on the program tonight. So that will be an interesting listen. And, and the other part about it is what impact does this have on the Brisbane Tigers and their NRL bid? So, does that go on the back burner? Does it continue without Shane Richardson? That'd be an interesting one, Glenn. Yeah, very much so. And, and you can't really have you know, foot in both camps at this stage. No. Um, two very different roles, but maybe that's why he's only put himself, put his hand up for six months at the moment because he, maybe he wants to go um, wants to go back there as well. I think he's been doing some a bit of work still with South as well over the years. So maybe that, that will, well, not maybe, that, that will have to take a, a backseat as well. He'll have to go in all in this West Tigers for... This, this initial six months and then see what happens. Maybe the, who knows what's going to happen with expansion. Maybe it's going to be P&G almost locked and loaded anyway. So 
Yeah, it's it's look, it's really it's fascinating times for and no doubt very exciting times for West Tigers fans as well. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what you've got to um, you've got to think that um, the best is yet to come. I think the best thing to come from yesterday's events at West Tigers is that things that should remain confidential within the club will finally remain confidential, says 588. So I don't know if that's a swipe at Justin Pascoe or Lee Hatchman-Tellis or, or both of them. But anyway, everyone's venting a little bit on the text line today, and Glenn. That, so. And that's a really good point, Jimmy. And, and we've heard about – I heard Michelle Bishop yesterday with um, with Joel talking about, you know, her, one of the journalists who probably benefited from the uh, the leaks that have come out of the West Tigers camp. But when you, when you, when you talk about leaks in, in rugby league clubs, mm. I, I don't think – in my time that I can remember any leaks coming out of the South Sydney board or out of the South Sydney club. And, and I'm really confident that that sort of, that sort of stuff is that you know, Richo was around in those times and when they rebuilt that club, I think a lot of that stuff will be shut down with him yeah. the helm. Uh, the problem with that too is it impacts your impartiality as a journalist, right? So the journalist's currency is information. So course, information. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm getting information from this person, but now I've got some other information about that person from whom I'm getting the information. Mm. And does that? Yeah, it's so it's a it's a really interesting dynamic that the journalists have to tread through on that. All right, well, let's get away from the West Tigers and let's let's start talking a bit of cricket. Six hundred and eighty runs required by Stephen Peter Devereux Smith to make uh, the fourth Australian to score ten thousand Test runs. He's got five Tests. This summer, we've got Spart who's asked the question. Tristan at Top Sports going to frame the market. Do you think he can do it, Glenn? Jimmy, I've got three words for you for the Australian cricketers this summer. Cash in summer. I think this really will be uh, with the Pakistanis. Australia hasn't been beaten by Pakistan since 2014. Pakistan hasn't won in Australia since 1995. And I, I think they're going to do it pretty tough again. You know, in the last couple of days, Steve... Smith has put his hand up and said, you know what, I haven't been happy with my form in, at the, in the Red Bull game over the last couple of seasons. My game's probably not where it should be. That, to me, sounds alarm bells for, for the Pakistan attack. I, I think I'm not too sure what, uh, what we're going to get in odds here, Jimmy, but I think um, you can almost write your, t- your own ticket. That's, that's my call. 680 runs. I, I well and truly think he can do it. I think the Australians, a few summers ago, the biggest issue they had, if you batted below... Or, let, or under five in the batting lineup, you're lucky to get a bat this summer or, or that summer. I think that could be a case here again. I think this top order is going to fire and are going to score plenty. And, and that's the other thing, right? In those five test matches, you might only get one bat yeah. in a test match. So Most definitely. You've got to, you've got, you get, then you're going, oh, well, it's, that's not such a stretch, but... Um, if you're only getting five innings, that could be... I thought you were going to go all Graham Gooch on us in the three words were, fill your boots, Gucci. Fill... <laughs> not quite fill your boots, but uh, cash in summer. Look, I, I think it's going to be um, not just Steve Smith. And we've had... There's been obviously so much talk about about Davey Warner. Should he or shouldn't he get the farewell toast? All this kind of stuff. I think this just lines up for him as well to have a, have a big finish for what could potentially be his... his um, uh, his last three test matches, he will go in with the steeliest of resolves he has ever had. He will want nothing more than to finish this um, this series against Pakistan on a high. And you know, I, I'm reasonably confident that um, that Davey's going to cash in as well. Okay. Um, okay. So if that's the case, so it doesn't fill us with a great deal of optimism for for the test series that's coming up. Do we find? 
any positive in this? I, 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 first of all, are you in favour of David Warner getting the send-off at the SCG that uh, basically has dominated the lead-up to this test summer? Yeah, I think going back with all the discussion around this, if we go back to that press conference that he had over there in England, he was really careful how he, how he chose his words. And, you know, he, he didn't say that I'm, I'm retiring here and this is what I want. And he did preface a lot of the conversation with, and look, he was very smart about the way he did it as well, but he prefaced it with, you know, if I'm good enough, I'm scoring the runs and if the selectors will allow me, this is what I would like to do. Uh, you know, 50 over cricket is not test cricket. Um, his form... The World Cup was outstanding. If you look at his numbers in Test cricket, it hasn't been great over the last couple of years. And really, you take out that uh, the 200 he scored in Melbourne last summer, it, uh, I think he only scored about another 170 across the rest of the Test series. So, look, it, it hasn't been great. Give him Perth Test. I think he'll score runs there as long as he as long as he aims up in that first Test. He will he will definitely get it. And look, it um, love him or loathe him, and there's plenty in in either camp. Uh, there's no denying what he has done for um, for Australian cricket over the last 12, 13 years. He has. He's been thrilling. And, and the audience is... I'll, I'll never forget. So he, he came through the Eastern Suburbs Cricket Club. He, yeah. he was a youngster there when I was playing great cricket. And, and everyone knew this prodigious talent, right? He, mm. was, he was amazing. And he walks out to bat, having never played for New South Wales, for Australia in a T20 game. Yeah. And he took down a South African pace attack that included Dale Steyn, amongst others, and scored 89 off about 47 balls and just announced himself. I, I reckon there was two weeks later, I was at a one-day international at the SCG. There were two elderly gentlemen talking at the back of the member stand, and the guy said, look, I've got to go. I want to go and watch this David Warner bat live. Yeah. And, and I thought, yep, that sums up David Warner. And that was at, right at the start of his career, and it sort of maintained that throughout the, last, uh, the next decade and a half. Another highlight for me, Jimmy, early on in his T20 career, I remember he played a, a T20 at what was ANZ Stadium there out of the Olympic Stadium. And then remember when they, they ran the wicket um, east-west? So they had the short boundaries um, down and the long on boundaries. Davey yes. Warner's lined up left-handed, and as the bowler's coming in, he switched to right-handed, and whoever the hapless bowler was, he put him up into the grandstand. And I remember sitting in the announcer's booth that evening just in awe that a bloke can line up left-handed, switch to right-handed and proceed to put the bowler into the grandstand. He, he changed the way that we, we played cricket, that aggressive style. And he, he took that, you know, that T20 cricket into the longer formats of the game. And yeah, he will, he will long be remembered for, for not just the amount of runs he's scored, but how dynamic he's been with the bat throughout all formats of the match. Uh, the Matraville Mauler, uh, in, not just in name. And so, so the other thing is really, so we said last week for the Prime Minister's 11, well, someone's got to get 150, otherwise yeah. it, it doesn't count. Well, he went close, Matty Renshaw, 136. He scored them at a, a touch under a strike rate of, of 40 runs every 100 balls. Yeah, David Warner has had a decade and a half at test level scoring at 70 runs mm. yeah. every 100 balls. We, and, and that's part of the appeal and, and being the benefit to well certainly the Australian team but mostly to the batsmen standing at the other end and, and Jim we've, we've been around long enough to have remembered test cricket through the the 80s and, and dare we say earlier where we've watched cricket when where batsmen have lost a couple of weeks early and blocked out a session and yeah. some may call it enthralling test cricket but for the uh, the kids of today it may not be 
very entertaining. But as you say, he, he flipped that. You know, if the ball's there to be hit, he's he's always been backed himself to hit it. And you should have seen the 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 renaissance of uh, of Travis Head a little bit in more recent times. You know, he was dropped out of the test test side. He got back into the test team under Justin Langer and and JL said, mate, if it's the balls and the stumps, block it. If it's not, hit it. And that's been that's been Travis's head Travis Head's approach to test cricket test cricket batting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, then we're going to get ourselves to a break. After that, well, I want to talk about some BBL too because uh, there have been some interesting results, a couple of no results for, for different reasons during the course of this BBL summer as well. So stick around. Glenn Hawke, our special guest. We're going to get ourselves to a break. You're listening to Afternoons on SEN. Welcome back to the program. Afternoons on SEN. Get in contact with the program, 0457-736-736. Lots have. Uh, we've got our special guest, Glenn Hawke, who you're going to hear. I think it's next. Is it next Friday you're hosting the Afternoons program, Glenn? Debuting, uh, sitting in the chair by myself uh, next Friday afternoon. Yeah, so looking forward to it. Uh, what a pity this dismissal of the West Tigers board did that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a baptism next of fire? Thursday. Next Thursday. Anyway, anyway. Uh, now, come on, Amy. Now, this is Amy, our newsreader, who does a fantastic job too, by the way. This comes in, though, Glenn, and this is what you're going to have to you know, take on. And here's, uh, and this is the listener. The listeners, the listeners, you know, how would I best describe it? We have a diverse group. Uh, we, let me tell you that. Which um, is the best way to on. be, right? Right. Well, we have to accept them <laughs> as they are. I mean, it's very Carl phase of us to be very accepting of it. But anyway, um, Broken Hill Bob, who I'm presuming is at Broken Hill. Uh, come on, Amy. A scorching 37 tomorrow. Not even close unless it's in the 40s. So good on you, Bob. Uh, glad to hear you listening by the SCN app out there at Broken Hill, which took me to then Perth. And I thought, well, I wonder what the weather's like for this test match tomorrow. So 28 degrees, 32 degrees, 33 degrees, 29 degrees. Monday, if we get there, that's going to be 30 degrees as well, which then made me think about the other test matches around the country. And then I was gobsmacked to learn that you, in fact, will be at the MCG and the SCG and the Adelaide Oval and the Wollongabba ground for the upcoming summer. How do you score that one, mate? Oh, Jimmy, I've been uh, the announcer at the SCG for Test Cricket since... Well, my first Test match was 0-6-7, which, oh, um, which was the farewell test of the great Shane Moore, Glenn McGrath, Justin Langer. So that was my, that was my uh, introduction to Test Cricket uh, ground announcing. And I've been doing the SCG since that time and probably the last 10 years I've been travelling around Australia with, with Cricket Australia um, doing a bit of hosting but also ground announcing with tests one days and, and T20s and I've got to tell you for a cricket fan it's it's a pretty fair gig it's not oh, a, wow. it's not a bad gig you do have to sit there and watch every single ball of every single test which can get, uh, can get a little bit uh, tough come midway through day four but uh, it, it's not a bad gig so please tell me you've kept the record of how many tests, ODIs and T20s you've done so that when you put your stats up on your Wikipedia page, <laughs> so Glenn Hawke, uh, 103 test matches. I haven't quite done that, uh, but I reckon, I reckon I've got to be getting close to, to maybe 50 tests. 50 tests? Yeah, I reckon I've done close to 50 tests over that. Hang on, if, if you've done it every year since 6-7, have you done every test since then? I've done, through COVID, I missed a couple because of travel restrictions and the like um probably for the first 10 probably first 10 years of that or eight years that i just did the scg so yeah right probably four to five tests most years for the last eight to ten years so yeah it must be around i'll have to do the numbers 
Okay. All right. Well, this is you got to you got to do the numbers and, yes. and how, how many test matches you've been involved. Then uh, now the other the, the other thing is um, rather than tell us because a lot of people go who who carries on, but who are the good people? Who like your time with the Australian cricket team? Does it there'd be a little bit of interaction? Who are the ones you go? Gee, they're a nice person. Without a doubt, uh, Nathan Lyon has been has been yeah, the best right. to deal with. Not just dealings with me as well, but you see the interactions that the players have with um, with fans. And almost every time the Australians go out on the field, you know, they, they assemble on the, the side of the boundary. And then yep. Cricket Australia has a little kid there, a couple of mascots there holding the Australian and, and the opposition flag. And virtually every time, at least one time during the day, uh, Nathan will go up and just interact with the kid, say hello and make that kid's day. Um, yeah, he would have to be, I think, probably the probably the best. It's just effort, yeah. effortless for him to, uh, right. to to interact and engage with fans and, and those around him. You know there's a clear and present reason for that, don't you, Glenn? Well, I know he's a good country lad. Country. There you go. There you you go. spotted it straight yeah. away. Spotted it straight away. And good in fact, country I, um, young. in Brisbane a couple of years ago, by chance, I ran into Nathan Lyon's mum at, at a, the canteen at yes. the, uh, the Wool and Gabba ground and... Um, she saw us in our Cricket Australia gear and came up and had a chat to us. And she introduced herself and she said, I want to thank you people at Cricket Australia for looking after my son. And if he yeah. ever gives you any lip or any cheek, you tell him that, you, that, that his mum will be after him. So, yeah, he obviously comes from from very good pedigree as well. Uh, very good. Very good. Uh, all right, mate, what have you made of the – well, we've had a couple of lost games um, – BBL, the Thunder last night, it was there for them to win. They did a good job in the in the field and they're not so good with the bat. Um, the Heat uh, on top of the ladder. The Sixers are travelling along as well. What have you made of the first couple of games of the BBL? Yeah, it's been intriguing, uh, as you said, particularly the, uh, the Brisbane Heat, who have been notorious slow starters over the last couple of years. They will be delighted having those first couple of wins. Um, they had Marnus and, and Usman for the first game. Obviously, they won't get much more time in the uh, in the teal of the Brisbane Heat. So they'll be delighted to get those couple of wins. Um, Colin Munro, hasn't he been good with the bat for mm. uh, for the Brisbane Heat? Um, yeah, Thunder, I, I think that'll be one that particularly up against the, the ladder leading Brisbane Heat. I think they'll be ruining potentially the loss of those two points uh, at the back end of the season. It, I think it's one that they really could have could have won in the end. They I heard you talking earlier. They needed a player or two just to dig in. One fifty-two wasn't. A, a, it's not going to be the biggest total that they're going to cha- to uh, to chase this year. So that was a bit disappointing. Um, Sydney Sixers, though, they've been they've been outstanding. They were first game against the uh, the Melbourne Renegades. They were superb, and the way that they ground out the win against the Hurricanes down there, weren't, they weren't chasing a, a huge total. But uh, Dan Hughes stepping up in game number two to. Uh, Get a half century there was was fantastic. Coming in for Steve Smith, huge shoes to fill, and uh, he did it very very well. So yeah, great start for the Sydney Sixers. Thunder, bit of work to do. You need a world class player to to win this tournament, I mm. think. And the Sydney Sixers have it in Sam Curran. Yes, uh, Tom Curran. Tom Tommy Tom Curran. Curran. Yep. I, I'm looking at the Brisbane Heat, and I'm like, mm. I tell you what, did you see Tall Paul Paul Walter? Last yes. night, did you happen to catch, mate? What a, he is going to be a crowd favourite up there at the gate. Can you imagine him standing at the Story Bridge Hotel drinking <laughs> schooners with the locals, mate? He, he will fit in uh, well and truly up there in Brizzy, I reckon. Yeah, and um, look, Matty Renshaw can he got twenty in, in nearly as many balls last night. He's a guy who can can steer him around the park. He and we've seen him. He can get underway. He can, you know, score 
at pace as well if required. Colin Munro could be that world-class player at the top of the order, though, for the Brisbane Heat this year. Yeah, he's um, he's had a great start. Mm. Hey, mate, we look forward to you on Friday. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. Enjoy that. I know you will. The listeners will respond. And if they don't, get stuck into them because then they <laughs> will respond, so, which is what they love, mate. But great to have you on the program again today. And uh, enjoy next Friday. And then after that, enjoy all those test matches you're going to, Glenn. Well, Jimmy, will do, Jimmy. Thank you so much, mate. And um, enjoy your Christmas. Ah, yes, thank you. I, I will do that. Glenn Hawke there, our special guest on this Wednesday afternoon. Stick around. We've got the news coming up now. And then after that, we're going to check in with the Western Suburbs Magpies coach of the century, respected rugby league journalist, Roy Masters. Welcome back to the program. So we've got a lot of text messages that we uh, ha- could get to. However, uh, we had a, a little bit of a bonus there with Roy Masters coming onto the program, but we've missed Afternoons Amplified. We have a different start to the program as well. So there's a fair bit of sports news going on around the place that we thought we'd get to right now. Afternoons Amplified. The other thing about that was that I got a nasty text message from Coach K saying, hey, I haven't been in the program enough. So uh, over to you, Coach K. Oh, here we go. All right, Jimmy, we'll start with this. Alex Demonor, he's almost about to crack the top 10. We discussed Mm. it yesterday. If things go his way, have a listen to him talk about it. Right now we're week two into preseason, so uh, not even orange juice at the moment. It's just strictly water. A lot of people don't realise how much work it takes to kind of uh, make these uh, miniature steps. All of these guys, they're, they're very good players. So you got to try and find the little edge. Language. He said try. Didn't he? You heard it. I heard it. I heard it. That's what happens in the afternoon's program. All about language, Jimmy. So so this is the thing, and, and it's always fascinated me, right, the, the preseason. So when you play in a competition that runs for seven months or six months, um, like rugby league, and there's clearly defined parts of the year where you are preparing yourself to play, and they're, they're long, like three months long. And then you get tennis players who have, what did he have? He had basically two, did he say two weeks off? Mm. And then he got stuck into it straight away. He's now doing his preseason, getting ready for the Australian Open, which is, what, about a month away? Um, but he'll have all those lead-up tournaments to that. You get a very small window. I find this fascinating with the footballers of the world that get this tiny window to do a pre-season, right? If you play in a World Cup year or Euros uh, during the course of that time, then you literally have like three weeks, not even that, to get some miles in the legs to be able to sustain you through the course of... And you think about an English Premier League season, that's nine months. And then you play a six-week tournament. You've got to have three weeks off, three weeks back. Like it's, um, I find it fascinating, and I find tennis players is, it's a really interesting one. But Alex Dimonor, that was on the back of him getting the John Newcomb Medal second time. We talked about that. So Ash Barty's won it five times. Sam Stowe's the three times. Two times for Dylan Orcott. Two times now for Alex Dimonor. So very easy to admire, Coach K. What about this bloke though? He's also an Aussie tennis oh. player by the name of Nick Kyrgios. Jimmy, I'm getting you rolled up. I know. I know. So the speculation mounts. This is in the Telegraph that Kyrgios may yeah. never play another professional match. Now, he's only added to the intrigue by stating that he'd like to play for two more years, but also that he no longer wants to play. So he spoke on the On Purpose with Jay Shetty podcast. He said, if it was up to me, I don't really want to play anymore, to be honest. I have to, almost. I've got so much more to give, but for me, I don't feel like playing anymore. 
What about this one? I'm exhausted. Um, I'm tired. I have had three surgeries now that I'm only 28 years old. I always wanted to have a family and not be in pain. When I get up, I can't walk without pain. It's a tough gig. Seriously. Tell James Tedesco like, that. Mate, I, I am, you know, I, I've got no doubt that he is um, an elite talent when it comes to tennis. I've got no doubt that he is moves the dial whenever he appears on a podcast or on a TV show, and, and that's been proven, right? Mm. But when you compare him to Alex Dimonor and what he's doing now, and you, you just look at it and you go, well, I know who the one is that should succeed, the one who deserves to ex- uh, succeed and whatever success looks like. That is clearly Alex Dimonor. But Nick Kyrgios, he's, he's going to get to 40 years of age and go, oh, wish I wish I committed myself a little more to my tennis career. We may never hear it, but that um, so be it. Anyway, anyway, where are you taking me now? <laughs> to your next favourite person, Justin Langer. <laughs> Nick Kyrgios to Justin Langer. So he says he hated Mitchell Johnson's public and personal attack on David Warner, which he believes broke the unwritten rule of Australian teammates. I have a quote here. In simple terms, I hate it when men from the Rare Club are playing cricket for the Australia air any of their grievances publicly. Thoughts, mm. Jimmy? <laughs> I know you have a lot of thoughts, but you've got to be quick because we've got to go to a break very shortly. I believe in a simple ethos of... Praise in public, criticise in private. You know, so, so think about the heavy irony of what Justin's doing right now. He is criticising mm. publicly Mitchell Johnson for criticising publicly David Warner. Do you think Justin Langer walked up to Mitch Johnson and said, Mitch, you shouldn't have said that? Because that's what he's saying you should do. And yet what he's doing... Fair <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, he's not coach of Australia still, is he? No, 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 as far as I'm aware, no, Jimmy. And that's after he's amplified. Thank you, Coach K. Let's break. Welcome back to the program. Final hour of the show. Final hour for the year for myself and Coach K in the afternoon. So doing a bit of brekkie over the next couple of weeks and then heading over on a holiday. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to interacting with you guys and girls over the course of the summer as well. We welcome the listeners back to SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane. SCN 1170 AM in Sydney. Download that SEN app. If you download the app, you get to the podcast straight away. Otherwise, wherever it is, you do get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, search for the afternoons with Jimmy Smith. So we've got Michael Chamis from the Sydney Morning Herald talking West Tigers. Uh, Roy Masters from the Sydney Morning Herald, but also Western Suburbs Magpies, coach of the century, talking West Tigers. So all of that there on the podcast. Make sure you check it out. Call now. If you want to be a part of the flock, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, 1170 your chance to win $100 cash, all thanks to Tristan and the team at Top Sport, although there might be some breaking news there. Uh, keep the text messages coming in, 0457-736-736. So the Who Am I coming up this hour? The Brisbane Raw star, Jay O'Shea, the Irishman. He'll be along for a chat as well. Uh, but right now, we've got to speak to our man, Tristan Merlihan. If you want top odds every time you've got to bet, with Top Sport. Interested that he is still with Top Sport. There was some sort of rumour flying around that he was going to set up his own OnlyFans account uh, and leave his position at Top Sport, but I'm happy to say he's on the line. G'day, Tristan. G'day, Jimmy. How are you going? And no, the, uh, we did have a number of meetings about that uh, possibility, but it did get quashed at the last minute. What, what do the metrics say? I mean, there's Nick Kyrgios with the OnlyFans, Tristan Merlihan with the OnlyFans. 
Yeah, it was. I, I thought we just couldn't get past uh, Nick's Nick's rating, so we uh, we, we we can't settle for second best. We'll go back and try to perfect what we're doing at Top Sport, and might have a, a crack in, in in the new year, maybe. No, fair enough, fair enough. Now, Spark, <laughs> regular listener to the program, lover of cricket, uh, we've identified. We thought it was about not, uh, 800 runs that Steve Smith needed. Uh, on closer inspection, it was 680 runs. So. Five test matches over the course of this summer. I said, righto, I'll get if he's not setting up his OnlyFans account, I'll get our man Tristan from Top Sport to set up a market. How are we looking for that? I we've got it live on the website now. When you ask, uh, we deliver, Jimmy, and uh, you're right. Uh, he is currently on nine thousand three hundred and twenty runs. So our team make it that he's probably going to bat about eight times in the five tests over the Australian summer. Um, you know, if he gets around that 65 mark, that gets into a just under the 10,000 mark, 9,840. So we've put up $4.50, uh, $4.60, should I say, him to get 10,000 runs by the end of the Australian summer. So that's live on the website now in the Test Series Australia-Pakistan in the uh, Steve Smith market. So check that out if you think that's a bit of value. If he gets a big double ton, then he'll, uh, in one of these matches, which you think he's probably some chance against the uh, the bowling attacks that are on offer, then uh, he'll he'll be some chance of getting there. Oh, how good would that be? Up there at the Gabba, fifth test match, uh, first inning, Steve Smith just turns one behind square and he takes his score from eight to nine and there is a roar from the crowd because the 460 has saluted. That that would be absolutely fantastic. Wouldn't that be great viewing on an only OnlyFans side as well, Jimmy? We might have to get that going for then. So we'll, uh... Exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, uh, test match starts tomorrow over there at Optus Stadium. Uh, apparently, there's going to be uh, a bit more deterioration of the pitch, but where's your market for this one, mate? This market's got, got the Aussies' firm favourites, $1.24, the draw $7, and Pakistan $8. So Aussies are very firm favourites. The high bat, Steve Smith, the man of the hour we are talking about, he's the $4.20 favourite to get the first innings high bat. Marnus at four sixty, Usman at four eighty, then David Warner. Um, you know, there's a little bit of speculation he doesn't score in this innings. He might not make it to his swan song, but I think that's a bit... Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. 5.25 about David Warner to get the most runs. Travis Head there at $6 represents a little bit of value, I, I believe. So um, mm. some of the other markets, if you want to look at, we've got player runs. Uh, for someone to get 100, Steve Smith 4.20 to get 100 in the first innings. Marnus at 4.80 and Davey Warner at $5.50 as well. So check out all the markets. We've got over 100 of them up for this match as we speak. All right. Uh, now, last night, game six of the BBL, Thunder versus the Heat. We reckon the Heat were about 30 runs short with their 151, ended up being 20 runs to the good. What was the fluctuations like in that one? Because I know the, the, the wind viz that we were looking at, that was all over the place, had Thunder well and truly in control at the innings break. It did. It absolutely did. And the Thunder were, were firm favourites um, going in, into that change of innings. It was... Um, the pitch looked a little bit sluggish, and, and I think, um, you know, with, with Munro, obviously, he's been in very, very good form. So that was always in the back of our mind that we thought maybe uh, the, the Heat might be able to sort of get the job done with a couple of early wickets. And they certainly were fortunate to get those early wickets and the early breakthroughs. But then late, there was a little bit of a twist in the tail when it looked like there was going to be uh, a late charge there, but it wasn't to be. So the, uh, the, the, the Heat were firm favourites for the bulk of the uh, their bowling innings. And tonight we see that the Stars at $2.80, the Scorch is at $1.42. So the Scorch is very, very firm away from home to get the job done. Yeah. What about overall for that tournament? Um, because we've seen, well, we haven't even seen the Strikers. Uh, we haven't really seen uh, the Scorchers either. But we've seen 
the sixes a couple of times. We've seen the heat. And we look at the heat and you think, well, what about when they get, or if they get all their stars back and just how deep they've got as a squad? Are, are they are they uh, moved up the, the market at all, the Brisbane heat? Yeah, they have. They're firmed up considerably. The Scorchers are still firm favourites at 375, but then you've got the Sixers at 450, the Heat at 470, so a clear top three. As we know, uh, nearly every every competition or tournament that's gone around this year has had a Queensland team in the final, so the Heat will be trying to continue that record. Hobart Hurricanes, 850, Melbourne, $9. The Strikers, 11. The Thunder, 14. And the Stars are very rough there at 17. Yeah. And now, mate, um, I am moving to breakfast tomorrow morning. So that would mean this is the last afternoon show that I do for the course of the year. Uh, mate, I just want to say on behalf of the team at SEN uh, and personally too, Tristan, you've been a great supporter of this program and we are deeply indebted. So a big thank you to my, uh, mate and a thank you on behalf of all the listeners who have won your $100 cash that you've put up every day as well. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. It's always a pleasure talking to you and I'm glad the listeners have enjoyed it and it's been great to hand out the 100 a uh, number of times throughout the course of the year and um, I'm sure we'll chat between now and Christmas but hope you and all the listeners have a great festive season and I appreciate uh, being involved with the show for the entirety of the year and looking forward to coming back bigger and better next year. I wonder if you'll appreciate week 15 of the NFL when the Denver Broncos travel to Detroit to take on your line. Gee, the Broncos are looking all right, aren't they, Tristan? They are looking good. The only thing is, they I don't know how they're going to get over the top of Minnesota. Minnesota's got a very, very good uh, defensive <laughs> record. I don't think they conceded a point last start. So they got the Super Bowl oh. caliber defense, and uh, we'll see if uh, see if they can notch up a couple of field goals over the next few games and keep their winning streak alive. Yeah, love their field goals. That's fantastic. Uh, good on you, mate. Uh, again, thank you very much for your support. Thanks, Jimmy. Speak to you soon. Uh, he's a very good man, Tristan Merlihan, uh, and I encourage you to, if you're going to have a little flutter, set up an account with Top Sport because they are best in the business. And remember, if you want top odds every time, bet with Top Sport, feel the excitement. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Let's get to this. Time now for the two o'clock flock. It is. So let's go to the caller straight away. Rob is on the line to have his say. G'day, Rob. Hey, Jimmy. How are you, buddy? Really well, thanks, mate. What do you G'day, got mate? for us today? Just a quick yeah. one. Do you know who the CEO of um, Oak, the sponsorship of the Panthers, is? So, say that again. Who? CEO of? Do you, do you know, of Oak. Oak Mill, the sponsors of the Panthers. I do not know. Why, why do you ask, Rob? No, you haven't heard him in the... You haven't heard him in the media over the last 10 years? <laughs> uh, None? Yes, yes. Yeah, no, I haven't. Also, I must admit I haven't, Rob. Yes. Oh, okay. There you go. And also, the Centre of Excellence they put in at, at like, I mean, at Concord, if, if you're a young bloke, say you're 17 and you've got to train, train with the Tigers and you don't have a car and the training's at 4.30 in the Arvo, how are you going to get the Leica? I mean, to Concord, sorry. From Campbelltown. Ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, they're spread out everywhere, aren't they? So, I mean, the the, the tyranny of distance and the geogra- uh, geographical challenge of, of being uh, based there with a lot of your juniors out in the southwest of Sydney. It's it, You're right, mate. It makes it very challenging. Mate, I'm a Panthers fan, and I just can't believe what they've done and how they're doing it. It's just, it's a farcical, it's, it's you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, no wonder they had to get rid of the board, like, Anyway, well, it's 
Yeah, exactly, Rob, and good on you, mate. Appreciate the call. And that's, you know, that's wooden spoon, and then everyone says, well, you can't go any worse. Guess what they did? They ran not 16th but 17th because the Dolphins came in. And then the other thing about it is you, you, that's the calm you breathe, Rob, when you've won three competitions in a row. And every what did um, Matt Cameron say a couple of weeks ago when we spoke to him on this program? Alignment. There is alignment through the Panthers organisation from the CEO of Oak all the way through to the youngest player in their junior reps. So um, good call, mate. Thank you. Greg's on the line, wants to have his say. Good day, Greg. Uh, James, uh, if I were the people at Sydney Olympic, I'd be putting my hand up now to take over the lease at, um, at Concord Oval, get them out of Belmore and move to a, uh, a much more uh, in-tune setup than, uh, than what they have at the moment. But that's not why I rang. Right, yes. Um, Next time you get Roy Masters on, can you ask him why neither he nor his brother Chris have written a book about their uncle? Who's their uncle? Judy Masters, who's one one of the most famous names in Australian football. What's the name again? Judy Masters. James Masters. He is a veteran of Gallipoli. Australian football captain from 1923, uh, a legend in the uh, in the Balgowny district of um, of Northern Wollongong, and really one of the pioneers of the game. Yeah, wow. Okay, uh, look, I'm I'm looking at Roy's, and I don't I don't know a lot about I know a few of Roy's siblings, but I'm just looking at this, Greg. He was he was the eldest of seven children, to author journalist. Olga Masters, um, her husband was a teacher, so the, the dad doesn't get a mention. His siblings include current affairs journalist Chris Masters, Ian Masters, a Los Angeles radio show host, Quinton Masters, a London-based film producer, Sue Masters, the television producer, and Deb Masters. What a low-achieving family that is, right? <laughs> <laughs> from from all, all previous generations as well. It's, it's frightening. Yeah, good on you, mate. Thanks for that call, Greg. We do appreciate it. Got to keep moving. Lots of callers there. Shane's on the line at Merrickville. G'day, Shane-o. Jimmy, um, happy Christmas and happy New Year to you and all your family and um, Coach K and all his crew. Fantastic show all year. And uh, are you going to catch any games when you head over to uh, States? Guess what, Shane? I arrive, and then the weekend that I arrive, there is a game at SoFi Stadium it's the LA Chargers mm-hmm. taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Sensational. I've got to get to that. So be, That's so far yeah. stadium. That looks just something out of the world. The way it, like, you actually walk down into it, don't you? Is it, it's sort of dug into the ground or something, is it? Well, yeah, you walk in and you're sort of on level three, right? So we've been there once mm-hmm. before, uh, general manager of football, Austin and myself. We saw the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the LA Chargers, and 80% of the crowd were Steelers fans. Yeah, they, they travel, travel. I mean, the, the poor old Chargers and the Rams, for some reason, especially the Chargers, they just haven't got much support in LA. It just, it's such a transitory town. It's like the Gold Coast. But Pittsburgh Steelers fans and uh, Cowboys fans, they, they travel anyway. Uh, listen, I appreciate, too, the National Hockey League results. Everybody out there loves them. They're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Shane. Thank you for the kind words. A Merry Christmas uh, and a happy and safe New Year to you as well, mate. Andrew is on the line at, well, it says Newcastle, but I think it's manly weather. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Jimmy. Just uh, reiterate Shane's words, which is strange in itself. 
But um, <laughs> I just want, yeah, I enjoy the afternoon show with you and Coach Kay, and I know you'll be on breakfast for a little bit longer yet, but that's when I'll be at the depot most of that time, so I don't get to call in the morning. Um, but, yeah, no, just thank you for a great show, and it gets uh, gets me through my boring afternoons in the office. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. And just wanted to check if you'd seen episode two of The Manly Way yet. I sent you a link the other day, but I haven't heard much mention of it. No, hasn't been a whole heap of mention of uh, The Manly I must admit, <laughs> I must admit, I got, I got about 13, 14 seconds into it uh, and then thought, no, nah, I might do this another time. How's Tommy T looking just out of interest, Andrew? Yeah, no, Tommy T is looking great, and it was interesting. They were sitting in their indoor little office there where they have their pep talks, and he basically said, because DCE and uh, Jake aren't there yet, and he said, right, out the field we'll go, and uh, Tom will give you the instructions. So Tom's taken on a real Tom's, – Tom's the, the boss at the moment, so when they get out on the field. So that's uh, interesting. I've always seen Tom as a, a, a chance of, of a captain role, because if you watch him, he – he pulls the forwards into line, like most fullbacks have to, but he, he really demands a lot of um, his middle men when he's out, out the back. So I think that's a lot that's not uh, often spoke about. When Tom's not yeah. there, we all miss his brilliance, but you know he's got the rest of the game to go with it. So thanks, guys, and I'll, I'll try and listen in the morning. Uh, good on you, Andrew. Thank you for your support, mate. Been fantastic. Love your contributions. Uh, and my understanding is, speaking to a Manly insider, even when DCE is back, Tom is the one that's calling the tune. Warrior Holic is there. G'day, Warrior Holic. G'day, gentlemen. Mate. Uh, enjoying the show from the beautiful uh, greens of Paraparumu Beach here, as always. And uh, thought I'd better give you and Coach K a call. And thank you for a very entertaining year and for allowing me to represent my nation over here as a head of the Warriors. Uh, Anonymous and the Warrior Holic. <laughs> uh, mate, you represent them very well, Warrior Holic, and there's lots to be optimistic about too with the Warriors. So uh, we've we've appreciated your input throughout the course of the year as well, mate. Well, you have a great holiday, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all next year when the Warriors finally take the title. Eh? Uh, that'd be great. That'd be good. I'll tell you what, uh, there wouldn't be too many people. There'd be the, the team that the Warriors play in the grand final, and then everyone else would be supporting the Warriors. Good on your Warrior Holic. Let's go to Dan. He's on the line at Blacktown. G'day, Dan. Merry Christmas, Jimmy, and happy, I hope you have a safe and happy New Year. I just want to thank you and Kay for the job you guys do, um, providing laughs, and let's just face it, shenanigans all day, every day is just gold, and I love it, and I love you guys, and I love the show, and hope you have a safe trip in America. Jealous that you're going to SoFi. And um, where can Coach Kay give us a baby, Coach Kay? Oh yes, what a what a great point. Watch out for that thing reversing, Dan. It might be you that's reversing it. So um, Merry Christmas to you, mate. You're a great contributor to the afternoons program. So um, we do love it, mate. So thank you. Uh, and yes, keep listening in 2024. Let's go to John the Tiger. He's on the line. G'day, John. G'day, mate. Long-suffering Tiger supporter. I think what oh, happened yes. yesterday had to happen. I think for the best. I was quite impressed from Shane Richardson on TV today, but just one thing I'd like to see change. Put the claws back in the Tigers logo. Have you see, you got the telegraph in front of you? Yes. Have a look at the front page. Look at that logo with the claws of the tiger. Then, then go to another page and you see a tiger's head. Put the claws back. That'll, that'll put a bit of life in them. All right. There you go. John the Tiger. Uh, it's been a tough... 
decade and a bit for you guys. Uh, so I totally understand that. Oh, look, to be fair, I'm not sure that's going to turn around the club if they do change the logo. But hey, but you just never know. But yeah, it's uh, completely different. But uh, thank you for your call, mate. And thank you for the support of the program. We've got to get ourselves to a break. Uh, just before that, uh, McHugh says, Jim, I hope they're going to replace you for the rest of the year with someone very similar to you. Maybe Gary from Newtown. <laughs> Thank you, McHugh, I think. I think. And Jay, sorry about that. I just lost a bet with my mate. Yeah, you just called the Gabba the Gabba. I said you would only ever refer to it as the Woolen Gabba Ground. Yeah, I love calling it the Woolen Gabba Ground. That's its full name, Jace, as we know. All right, let's get ourselves to a break. Speaking of the Woolen Gabba Ground, we're heading north. We're going to speak to Jay O'Shea from the Brisbane Raw. Stick around. Welcome back to the program. Well, we've got another A-League round coming up this weekend. The high-flying uh, Brisbane Raw, second on the ladder. They're taking on Western United, their last. So um, let's see how that all plays out. One of their stars is the attacking midfielder, the Irishman, Jay O'Shea. I'm happy to say he's on the line. G'day, Jay. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure, mate. How, more to the point, how are you doing? How's the feeling within this Brisbane Raw camp, knowing the great start that you've had to this A-League season? Yeah, obviously there's a there's a big feeling of confidence within the squad. Um, we're going into every game now playing an attacking style of football. Um, it's a lot different than the last couple of years. So um, yeah, it's a great feeling within the squad and uh, one that I hope stays around for a long time. Yeah, right. So how's it been for you then, Jay? Because that, that's the uh, it's you know when you get to this stage of your career, you're 35 years of age. You've played a lot of football. It needs to be enjoyable. You need to be continue to be challenged when you, you go to training and at games. You're still finding that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm enjoying it as, as much as ever now. Um, the, the new coach, the new style of play. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really getting pushed uh, to the limit. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really relishing the chance of playing every game and hopefully getting success with this team. Yeah. Does it suit your style? You're an attacking midfielder. It feels like it's going to suit your style. Yeah, it's a lot more free-flowing football. Um, we've got a lot more possession than we did in recent years. So, um, yeah, it definitely suits me um, rather than chasing the team who has the ball. We're the ones with the ball now and the other teams having to do the chasing. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the performance last week? 2-0 over Adelaide United. Um, that was a, a key victory and it, it sets up this week very nicely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Adelaide's a really tough place to go. Um, this is my fifth season now, and I've never won before uh, the weekend at Adelaide, so it was a big, big win for us. Um, we had to grind it out in the first half. They came out, they were they had a really fast start. Uh, they played really well, and we got in a half-time, nil-nil, and then we came out and played our stuff in the second half, and um, yeah, it could have been three or four. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a really good performance in the second half. Mm. I mentioned the fact that you guys are travelling really nicely, second on the ladder. You're up against Western United, having a tough season, last on the ladder. Do, can that be a bit of a danger, that there's a, a level of complacency associated with that, Jay? Yeah, 100%. Uh, everyone has to stay concentrated and you just have to treat it like another game. You can't be going in thinking, oh, yeah, these are not on the best run of form, and we are because then it'll come and bite you. Um you can't um, you can't get complacent, as you said, because um, yeah, that's when um, yeah, you'll start dropping points, and um, yeah, we'll we'll lose focus on our own game. But um, yeah, the manager has it drilled into us not to be worrying about the other team. So um, yeah, we're going to be just focusing on ourselves and trying to repeat the performance that we've been doing the last few weeks. Yeah, um, I want to ask you about your journey, mate. I, I talked about the you're 35 years of age, but you born in Dublin, started playing your football mm -hmm. career in Dublin, and then 
2009, I reckon you're 20 years of age. You work, uh, moved to Birmingham City. And from that point, you've basically never been home. What, when you think about that footballing odyssey that you've been on, Jay, what, what are your first thoughts? Uh, to be honest, I think how lucky I am that I've been kicking the ball and it's, it's taken me all over the world. It's, and now at the moment, the other side of the world, um, it's, my, it's the experiences that I've had that I've been able to enjoy and still be gone. Um, nearly 20 years after I made my professional debut, um, I just feel lucky, blessed, I would say. Yeah, you've played at Chesterfield, uh, Sheffield United, Bury. Um, now with the Brisbane Roar, is there is there any one particular club that stands out, or or is a football club a football club all over the globe? Yeah, I think um, obviously the one that I probably played the most. Um, would have been Chesterfield. Um, I had some successful time there, won some trophies, won some trophies at Sheffield United. Um, but I think um, I'm, I'm catching up on the longest I've been at a club now while I'm at Brisbane. So it looks like that's going to overtake at Brisbane. So this, this definitely has a special place in my heart here. And um, obviously I've moved to the other side of the world with my wife and kids and made a new life here. So um, yeah, at the moment, Brisbane's going really well and uh, I'm enjoying it. I can't speak highly enough of the club. Mate, how did the Irishman go getting off the plane into Brisbane and playing the A League during the course of the summer? <laughs> you didn't yeah, melt, did you, Jay? <laughs> I'm actually getting used to it now, but um, yeah, my wife gives me a bit of stick because she said I used to get a better tan when I was in uh, when I was in England because uh, here I'm so sun safe. I put zinc all over me before I go out, so um, yeah, she gives me a bit of stick for that. Uh, yeah, um, we as Australians, um, and there's a you know strong um, historical reason for that. We have great affinity with the Irish. Have you felt that in the city of Brisbane that you have been welcomed not just by the Brisbane raw community, but also by the Irish community in that in that city as well, Jay? Yeah, hundred percent. Everywhere, uh, everywhere we go, um, even like we go to Perth, Sydney, and stuff like that. There's lots of Irish, and they, they always make a point of coming to the edge of the edge of the uh, ground and give me a show and like I'll have a little chat with them after and it's really nice because I remember we played my first game in Sydney um, and um, I was over here without my family at the time because I came like six weeks before my wife and kids to try to get everything sorted out and there was one one fella waiting for me there and he, he was actually a Chesterfield fan and um, yeah it, there's been people like all over just waiting for me to speak after games and it's been really nice it's nice to hear a familiar accent when you're so far away from home yeah, no doubt. How long is it? So, so you're obviously going to miss Christmas at home um, this yeah. year. And and how long since you've had a Christmas back in Dublin? Um, I would say the last Christmas I had in Dublin was 2010. Wow. Yeah. yeah right. So, um, yeah, I think on a footballer's calendar, you, you just cancel off Christmas. Um, so um, that's probably one thing that I'm looking forward to when I retire is, is having a Christmas back home. And, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Do you think when you do retire, I'd imagine, given the form that you have uh, showed for the Brisbane Roar and the fact that, the, you know, the club's re-signed you and you've been player of the year up there, any thoughts of staying involved with the Brisbane Roar in the A-League or will it be straight back to Dublin? No, it'll definitely be staying here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in talks at the moment with um, trying to trying to negotiate a new contract at Brisbane. And, uh, yeah, that'll definitely be something we'll be speaking about is staying on after football in a coaching role. So, yeah, that's definitely the plan. Uh, very good. Hey, Jay, great to check it. Just to let you know, mate, I've got a brother-in-law that's Irish from Dublin who lives in Brisbane. Yeah. So oh, well, yeah. you probably bumped into him at a party. Yeah. Time to reach out to me. 
Mate, I'm, I'm telling you, he's, uh, he lives out at uh, Manly, out on, down there on the bay there. Uh, oh, and, yeah. mate, you, you, I'll tell you what you will do. Keep your Saturdays free. He likes going for a beer and go to the races. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I reckon you'll yeah, get on well. Yeah, very mate. Irish to me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is very Irish. Hey, Jake, great to spend some time with you, mate. Really, really appreciate too, it. Mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, all the very best. Jay O'Shea there um, from the Brisbane Raw. You know what? I just knew that he was he was going to be a good fella, and uh, that's exactly the case. They are playing some really good footy. Got the big game against Western United. You know they should pump them, absolutely pump them. But anyway, stranger things have happened. What would I know? It's the A-League. Oh, all right, what I do know is that we've got to get ourselves to the news, and then we're, we're getting a little bit looser here on this Wednesday. That feels like a Friday. It's the last afternoon's program of the year. Uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you for that, Amy. Everyone up near Cyclone Jasper uh, in the listening area, please stay safe. Stay safe. It's... Um... Uh, that sounds really scary. So uh, just just be aware of that. We've got the Who Am I coming up very shortly. I tell you what, Coach K, we might also do a um, another one of the afternoons amplified because we had a bit of a different show today with Michael Chamis and uh, the way things played out with um, getting stuck into the West Tigers stuff straight away. But I'm going to bring you in on this one. We've got a text message here that says, Jimmy, are you aware of a political protest that Usman Kawaja intends to have on his boots tomorrow? Don't think it the right way to go about it says Michael. So just to let you know, Usman Kawaja took a stand in support of Palestinian people in Gaza. That was at training in the lead up to the first test match. A couple of messages on his boots. Freedom is a human right and all lives are equal uh, while he was in the nets. And apparently he's planning to do it during the course of the game. Coach K, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think at the end of the day, everyone's got their right to to think what they want to think, right? No one can deter you from making a stand for what you think is really important. In, in this case, for Uzi, this is what he believes in. So, mate, that, that is what it is, in my opinion. Across social media, he wrote, do people not care about innocent humans being human beings killed or is it the colour of their skin that makes them less important or the religion they practice? These things should be irrelevant if you truly believe that we are all equal. So the one thing I would say is that it's, uh, not a political statement, I, I would suggest. It's certainly not an anti-Israel statement. It's a pro-person statement from Usman Kawaja. It'll be interesting to see what the ICC do, Coach K, because uh, they had Moen Ali in 2014 had saved Gaza and free Palestine, and he was reprimanded uh, on a, after he had that on a wristband. So... Uh, wasn't fined or anything, wasn't suspended, just reprimanded after that. So this is very different. So I'd be surprised if the ICC got involved in that at all. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, Coach K, we talk about it a lot on this program. Ezra Mam. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's $3 million, four years, $750,000 per annum. You in or out? I'm all in. Aren't you? On Ezra Mam. So the Dolphins did their job, right? Mm. Didn't they? Like they bumped up the price. Yes. So if, if you're going to get him, well, you might as well make them pay more. Mm. Uh, and so uh, after they allegedly put in a million dollar a year, but that's 750. I reckon Ezra Mam is the type of guy who could get third party deals as well. Mm -hmm. So as a result of that, he's going to get a big contract there. They're still going to lock down Reese Walsh. So this is the interesting. I, I think personally, Ezra Mam. He's worth every cent of seven hundred and fifty grand. No doubt. On top of that, he's going to win a competition. If they can keep Reese Walsh there, he'll win one. Doesn't matter if he takes a bit less, mate. You want to win championships. You want to win premierships. And 
Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. And here's the other one that we were going to get to earlier. Sports journalist Paul Kent has been found not guilty of allegations he attacked and choked his then partner. Well, that's actually not clear, uh, strictly correct, because she wasn't his then partner at his Sydney home. In the, so this has been really interesting how the media has reported, or indeed the mainstream media hasn't reported this, and perhaps our mainstream media report an allegation of a similar ilk when it comes to professional sports people, in particular NRL players. And I think that's the biggest issue that most people have. Most people are firm believers of innocent until proven guilty. Often that's not the way it's played out in the media. That certainly was the case for Paul Kent in the uh, mainstream media. That wasn't the case in social media. So for the last 24 hours, Paul Kent has been trending across Twitter or X. So he's consistently denied the allegations. He's been found innocent around this. Um, she actually um, she actually broke into his house. And um, as a result of that, a scuffle ensued and uh, a phone was attempted to be taken. And um, uh, Paul Kent, who's uh, pled not guilty, he's declared his innocence right from the outset. And that has been... Uh, found to be the case in the Sydney Downing Centre local court. So, as I see, um, so that is the outcome of that. We accept the judge's verdict on that one. I think what was really interesting is the way it was reported or not reported in mainstream media compared to other situations with professional sports people, most notably NRL players. All right, keep your text messages coming in on that one. But, Coach Gay, for the very last time this year with you and I, we've got this. Take a guess. Who do you think Uh-oh. it is? It's now time to play Who Am I? You know what I didn't do? I should have made it even more intense than what it is just for our last show. And I didn't. Yes. Or remixed it or something like they did at the Phoenix Suns Arena. Yeah, exactly. I Steve sh- Kerr. <laughs> should have done something like that. But anyway, moral of the stories, it's our last one, Jimmy. Our last two am I now. Are you ready mm. for this? Let's see if you get it right on. first What time. is it? Sign- Signet Boost Power Bank? Correct. We're giving away the Signet Boost Power Bank today, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, it's right. up for grabs. Now, mm-hmm. the first clue is born in Mwilumbar. That's the first clue. Ooh. Don't know how many... You footy- know what? Yeah. Someone will know that straight away. They'll go, oh, yeah, my favourite player was born in Mwilumbar, and that player is... <laughs> oh. Okay. Second clue. Mm-hmm. Spent five years at the West Tigers playing over 100 games. Mm, okay. It's a real West Tigers theme to this one. Okay. Okay. Represented New South Wales and Australia and one other nation. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. New South Wales, Australia plus one. Mm-hmm. Born in Mwilumba. It's five years at the West Tigers, 100 games. It's not too many people played 100 games for the West Tigers. Over 100 games, actually. Oh, sorry, over 100 games. Correct. All right. All right. There you go. Well, there you go. There are your three clues. Three clues only. So, well, look, you finally got the hang of this. <laughs> it's finally. It's taken me all this time, but we've got there. No, yeah. it's not Luke Covell, Andy. You can forget no, that. All right. Keep the text messages coming in. 0457 736 736. The final who am I? Who am I of the afternoon's program? Certainly with myself and Coach K. All right, let's break, and then we're back. We might or might not have a winner. Welcome back to the program. We're going to get stuck into some text messages. That's from our great sponsors. That's Alex and the team at SBS Fence. Remember, 
uh, portable fence and toilet hire. Go and see Alex and the team at SBS Fence. So in answer to the question put forward by Rob uh, a little bit earlier on the two o'clock flock, Emmanuel Besnier is the CEO of Group Lactalis, which is a French multinational dairy products corporation, and they are the owners of Oak Milk in Australia. Just thought, and I don't know that we've heard a lot from Emmanuel. I wonder what Emmanuel Besnier thinks of the Panthers three-peat. We'd love to know. Uh, Well, there's lots of people have come in with the nominations on the Who Am I? Uh, John Scandalis from Jack. Uh, No, that's incorrect. Uh, Chris Hyington is at Teddy. Uh, Anthony LaFranchi, Mitch from Robertson. Unfortunately, you're a little late on that one. Uh, So Michael is correct. Uh, correct with Anthony LaFranchi. That is the uh, so played for Italy as well, Coach K, right? So uh, turned out test matches for Italy. Uh, did Lee have a memory loss? He was asked four weeks ago to resign and walk away with dignity and decided to dig his heels in and didn't resign. Absolutely no surprise this was coming. And his Lee is acting in this way. It was the right move. That's BJC from Blacktown talking earlier about our chat around the dismissal of the West Tigers board and their. Chairman Lee had to been tell us and the resignation of Justin Pascoe. Afternoon, Jimmy and Coach K. I would with you both, uh, all the listeners, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And Harry, please call in again. We miss all your stories. I know Jimmy annoys everybody, but you help make this program great. So good on you, Junior Smitty. You're spot on with that. Uh, you picked that up very quickly. Uh, good on you, Trotman. You enjoy your holidays. Keep listening in as well. Uh, Jimmy, Two things. It's ludicrous, the trial by media with regard to Kent and others, mud sticks. Uh, also, excellent use of the word ilk. Thank you, Pedro, uh, you and uh, your ilk. Uh, now, this one. What Kawaja did is not politics. He isn't taking sides. He just wants the war and the bloodshed to stop. His view isn't any different to most people. Even our government wants the war to stop. That's from Tony. So we get that. And then we get this from Stu. Hi, Jimmy. I just heard the message on Uzi's shoes. It's all well and good to stand up for what you think is right. And he's been very careful with the messaging. But no doubt some will take offence or umbrage to it. As spectators, our terms and conditions of entry cover not bringing in any banners or flags that may be considered offensive. So it'll be interesting to see where Cricket Australia sit on this, says Stu. Well, we've got just a text message through from the great Brooksy from the run home and Cricket Australia have said under ICC rules, so they haven't said we don't allow it, ICC rules, Usman Khawaja will not be permitted to proceed with his pro-Palestinian protest during the first test against Pakistan starting on Thursday. I don't know. I wouldn't describe it as a pro-Palestinian protest. I would call it a pro-humanity protest. protest but anyway we're just we're just getting into semantics a little bit about that one uh the one thing west tigers have been able to keep confidential is the report that got rid of the board well to a degree i think there's a lot of people who would tell you that they actually knew about it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that loose lips lee and chamis go hand in hand says the roselle tiger so that's the thing right we talked about it you've got to get your information from somewhere uh, so interesting to continue to see how that plays out. We're going to get to a break. That was all thanks to SBS Fence. After the break, we are wrapping up for the year. Have a safe and enjoyable break, 
Jimmy and K-Man, that's from Pedro. So we echo that to all the listeners. So I know Coach K hanging around in the afternoons for a bit of time. We've got the Test Match Cricket coming tomorrow as well. So make sure you're tuning in for that. I'm doing a bit of brekkie over the next couple of weeks and then away. So everyone, um, on behalf of the team here, Coach K and myself, that's about the extent of the team. Thank you for your support over the course of the year. It's been outstanding. We love it. We really do. Um, and it's such a big part of this program coming up the run home with joel and barney they've got the special guests casey delacqua brian martin kirsten beave somehow big dossie's got to start in there as well so a hundred dollars cash for top sport that goes to rob who's the panthers fan who wonders when's the ceo of oak going to get involved with the panthers uh and the who am i well done to anthony uh anthony lafranchi was the answer well done to michael on getting anthony lafranchi so uh, everyone, have a safe, enjoyable, uh, and prosperous Christmas and New Year. A big thank you to you, Coach K. Uh, enjoy the run home. And in the meantime, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.